Good to see you today. Good to see you folks streaming live. I can see you. You can't see me. Uh, that's not good. But anyway, that's the way it is. <laughs> hey, uh, I woke up this morning with the verse, Psalm 122. When you go there, you realize it's the uh, pilgrims walking to Jerusalem to worship. It's a Psalm of David. And he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are. Yeah, here we are, man. I was glad. Let's get, you know, like they were saying, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's get going, man. Let's get going. Let's get going to the house of the Lord because, because we're here right now. And later on in verse 4, he says, they come to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And uh, we've done that. We've done it. And it's a cool thing to do. So if you're streaming on live, uh, you want to go to the Live Church webpage or the Facebook page, pull up the notes and uh, dial them in. You can fill in the blanks and... Once again, you'll see most of those blanks are already filled in for you. So, um, trying to make it easy for you today. Yep, no one. We got Bibles on the back table if you're here live. Like David said, I was glad. And now you're here. You don't have a Bible, we have Bibles on the back table. And we encourage you to grab one and and follow along. too. The Bible, man, it is, it is great. It's a, it's a great read. And um, we encourage you to stay in God's Word for sure. We are uh, walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, we started all the way back in September. Um, that was a while ago. Uh, and now it's almost December. So time flies when you're having fun. That's what they told me in school. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and not only that, but it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. And you, got, you got that on your Google calendar, everybody? You got the alarm set? Huh? Yeah, man. Uh, my wife's already been cooking turkeys, plural. You catch that? Plural turkeys. More than one. And uh, we already had our, our pre-Thanksgiving dinner last week. It was amazing. And uh, those turkeys gave their legs. Uh, I'm, I'm a leg guy, so, so it's good. Yeah. Hey, um, Joshua Rogers, he's a Christian author, speaker. He's been on Focus on the Family, uh, other media uh, events, written several books, And he talks about the time when the telephone rang, his mom answered, and she never imagined the horrific news that his grandfather was about to share. And it was this, Joshua said, my dad's two children from his first marriage had died in a plane crash. Scotty and Ronnie Rogers, ages 10 and 14, were the last seen with their mom and stepdad on July 5th, 1981. They took off in a small airplane en route 
to Florida for a vacation and the plane never made it. The newspaper reported that the plane was flying through thunderstorms over the ocean when it plunged from 11,000 feet to 4,000 feet and then it dropped off the radar, crashed into the Gulf of Mexico, leaving no trace of the wreckage. Joshua said when my mom got off the phone that day and told my dad, he walked out of the room, found a cassette tape, put it in the tape player with the old hymn on it, It Is Well With My Soul, and turned it on. He pressed play, sang the song, the song that was written in November 1873 by Horatio Spafford, a Chicago lawyer, whose four daughters drowned in the Atlantic Ocean when their ship was hit by a British ship en route to Europe. Horatio's wife survived, but their four little girls perished in the ocean. The song starts with a verse that's fitting for a father who has lost his children at sea saying, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I have to tell you, as we hit the pause button momentarily here, that song has been going through my head the last couple months. It's on replay. It is well. It is well with my soul. Quite honestly, Jesus is the only one who can speak authoritatively into our pain. I know all of us here today and watching online, we all carry pain. We all carry scars with us. That's the way life is. Well, Spafford wrote the lyrics to this hymn while he was crossing the Atlantic. You see, he wasn't able to make that trip because of a business deal, and he was planning on attending crossing a few days later. And he was in the process of meeting his wife, and when that ship was about where he knew his daughter's ship went down, God gave him the words to this song. And he would have never dreamed that the song that he wrote would bring comfort to a dad who was grieving in a similar way over a hundred years later. Thirteen years after the loss of Ronnie and Scotty, my dad, Joshua said, spent the day with my brother Caleb and I, took us out for breakfast in Biloxi, Mississippi. After eating breakfast in the restaurant, we walked to the beach, we stopped, looked out onto the Gulf of Mexico, the ocean, that same place where dad's children had disappeared. We talked, we sang hymns together until suddenly my dad halted, unable to, to sing, unable to speak anymore. He put his arms around Caleb and myself, pulled us close, squeezing tightly. And quote, and I heard him gasp for air with an achy cry coming from somewhere deep within him. 
Tears streamed down his face and they began streaming down ours too. We somehow understood that we, his two remaining children, were standing next to our siblings' graveside. That we were hearing the sounds of a grown, grown man's broken heart. And looking out onto the gulf, dad finally managed to sob the words, ain't God good, boys. And he wept some more. And we shook our heads up and down, agreeing with him as we continue to allow him to hold us tight. Later on that night, Caleb, my brother, blurted out with a sob to me, man, that's screwed up. His kids are dead and he's talking about how God is good. (laughs) You see, Caleb's outburst is the cry of so many people, isn't it? Whose hearts are breaking over their own losses. Maybe the loss of innocence, maybe the loss of employment, maybe a devastating diagnosis, maybe rejection by people that were supposed to love you, maybe feeling like you're a failure as a parent, all kinds of wounds that are open and haven't healed yet. But whatever your loss may be, it will test your faith as we can ask ourselves, can God really be good? if he will allow us to hurt so much? It's a good question. We all need to answer it. Just like Joshua's dad did. You know, when some of the disciples of Jesus deserted him in John 6, Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter, our good friend, kind of our mascot for Jesus' disciples because we can relate to him so well. He replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Isn't that true, friend? Where are we going to go? You are the only one that holds the words to eternal life. And so we can ask ourselves, if there's no good answer for our pain, will we leave Christ behind? Will we? Will you? And Jesus is the only one, again, who can speak authoritatively to our pain. Because in Isaiah 53.3, he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. Yes, he is. We can trust him. The one who willingly plunged into our suffering, drowning in our sin in order to save us. That's great news. He's the one. And so, yeah, with... We wait with heartbroken anticipation for the coming of the Lord until we stand on that shore of our own grief singing the last verse of It Is Well with my soul, the lyrics on the screen. And Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well. With my soul. Even so, it is well with my soul. I'm grateful for Joshua Rogers relaying that story about his dad. I think it encourages us this morning for those who are carrying pain, 
the pain of life thrown at us a variety of ways, to be able to say, ain't God good, boys, through it all, because it's well with my soul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, picking it up at verse 15. Let's read that. Paul writes, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for life stories that we can relate to. Understanding that we live in a broken world and bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And yes, we can say life is unfair. It was unfair for you, Jesus. You did not commit a crime or sin and you were nailed to a cross for our sins. And you went willingly. And so because of that, Lord, we can walk in confidence. We can walk freely and come boldly into your presence because the great price that you paid forgiving our sins. Hmm, the righteousness for the unrighteous. Lord, you took it on the cross so that we have that freedom to come and be with you and to live with you forever. So help us, Lord, as we navigate through life to remind ourselves of this talk today, this letter that was written by Paul all the way back in 51 AD. Lord, we apply it to our lives to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we uh, just mentioned Joshua Rogers' uh, family's um, pain, brokenness, and their conclusion that, yes, God is good. He is good. Why? Because he walks us through everything that comes at us. He doesn't abandon us. Somebody wrote, I survived 2020. It's been that kind of a year, 12 months ago. We could hardly have imagined what was about to happen. COVID-19, a worldwide lockdown, a new word, pandemic, something called sheltering in place. Then came economic unrest, trouble in our cities, a crisis of confidence, the search for a vaccine, and into that, an outbreak of wildfires, floods, and hurricanes, man. And the list goes on and on. And you know what? We're not even through 2020 yet. <laughs> Have you noticed? Huh? Yeah. Have you noticed? Somebody else put it this way. The last 12 months have felt like crawling across a minefield blindfolded. Have you felt like that? And we can say, through it all, that God is good. And it is well with my soul. Why? Because God is good and God is with each one of us. Now a footnote to all this great news, friends. This is the 400-year anniversary when the pilgrims arrived on the east coast of this country on the Mayflower in 1620. Yeah. And so as we prepare for Thanksgiving... This Thursday, we have the 400th anniversary 
when this uh, Mayflower, the old battered ship, arrived on the waters off Cape Cod and now the state of Massachusetts. Now here's the deal. When you read history, accurate history, you'll realize that it's worth reflecting on and to celebrate the pilgrims and their legacy for our nation. Because they braved the rough seas. Why did they, why did they brave the rough seas? Because they wanted to leave England. They wanted to leave the Church of England that was so oppressive, that shut down their freedom to worship. They were, they were given dictates on how to worship God and suck the very life out of their relationship with Christ. And they said, we've got to go somewhere where we can be free to worship. We had our three grandsons spend the night last night and I had the opportunity to pray with them. And I said, Lord, thank you that we can go to church tomorrow. How about it? We can go to church tomorrow. Man, we have that freedom. Not to, not to be uh, dictated in how we can worship God and how we can't, but we can come freely and worship him in spirit and in truth. That's good. I'm glad. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. William Bradford put it this way. He was their leader. The pilgrims fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean. Even though many died on the way. Half the settlers died during that first winter. Seldom and more than half a dozen have the strength to care for the ill, provide food and shelter and protect the camp. And according to a historian, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. No Americans have been more impoverished than those who nevertheless set aside a day of thanksgiving. What's this all about? 400 year anniversary of the pilgrims, man. Uh, Joshua Rogers dead, losing two kids. COVID-19. Crises across the planet. Friends, we need to cultivate a heart of gratitude through it all. To keep our hearts where they need to be. Because it's so easy to be scarred and beat up that we become bitter and angry. At life, at God, and our heart becomes calloused in the process. And we soon forget to be grateful. A simple thing is when you sit down to have a meal, to pause to say, Lord, thank you for providing this food. It's a simple thing. But it's cultivating gratitude and keeping it where it needs to be. So, Paul in this text now gives us practical advice on how we can honor the Lord even when we're being challenged as we live our lives. Now in your notes, we've uh, already hit this a couple weeks ago, and if you missed it, you can go on to our webpage and pull it up uh, to catch up. One, live in the light now, not tomorrow, not a year from now. Live in the light of Christ right now. Two, thank you, Jesus. We know we're going to hit that today some more. 
Three, stay involved. Do not become disconnected in your relationship with the Lord in these days. And four, strong support for leaders. So number five, a model for staying strong. Let's pick it up in verse 13b. Paul is writing this letter to the very young church. They're new believers. They're living in a very hostile environment, spiritually speaking. And so Paul is writing to encourage them, and he's, he's kind of giving a model to, uh, to stay strong through it all. And he says, live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Notice he, this is the body of Christ. It's not just spiritual leaders doing this. He's talking to the church overall. In other words, we need to care for one another. You can't, you can't say that somebody else is responsible. No, it's, Paul is saying it's your responsibility. You are his body, the body of Christ. You're responsible for caring for one another. Encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. So you can, you can see living peacefully, warning the lazy, encourage the timid, care for the weak, be patient, don't retaliate. We hit the uh, spite house last week. Remember some of you still living in the spite house? Huh? Five foot wide, 144 deep. Man, you got to move out of the spite house and move into the grace house. We, we want to do that. We want to do that. I, I encourage you to do that today. Don't procrastinate any longer. You a lot more room in the grace house, by the way. All right. So, number seven, we're going to pick it up here. Do good to all. Verse 15b, do good to all. Paul writes... But always try to do good to each other and to all people. You know, we all know when we have relationships with human beings, you know, you can kick your dog, throw the cat out the door, you know, and press on. But with another human being, we know that conflict will arise, right? Do we know that? Maybe, maybe it's not your case in your house, but it is in ours. And the cool thing is, like a family, you always work through it. Don't you? You don't kick your family out and say, forget it, man. You know, you work through it and you become healthier and stronger because of it. That's the model that, that Paul is giving to the church. When you have maybe an irritation, a conflict with somebody, work through it. Don't, you know, don't check out. Stay with it. And so um, um, he's saying but always try to do good to each other. He's referring to those in the church, the body of Christ. And then he says, and to all people, those are people outside the church. In other words, the enemies, your enemies, those who are persecuting you, those who are giving you a very hard time because of your faith. Paul doesn't just stop with the, with the church. He says, no, no, no matter no matter the relationship, in or outside the church, man, you need to be kind. You need to do good. Do good. May that be your legacy, that you did good to all people. That's a, that's a great legacy to leave behind. It's a great model to show your children that you are 
good to each other and to all people. Which leads us to number six, we need to finish strong. You know, we spent a lot of time on that last week. Finishing strong. Verses 16 through 18, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Can I say, man, I remember, I remember when I was younger. I'm still young, but I was younger. Um, a dad brought up his five-year-old daughter Wednesday night to introduce me, and, and, and she's five. And I said, well, I was five once, you know. I, I can go back that far. Um, anyway... I remember wanting to know God's will for my life, and it was pivotal, um, basically saying, Lord, not my will, I want your will for my life, because I know that's where I, I will be most satisfied. Lord, I want your will for my life. Paul, did you catch it? He already gave us God's will right here. You want to know God's will for your life? He, he says, with these three, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So these, to, to finish strong, friends, we're talking about life. We're talking about it can be challenging at times. Paul gives us three ingredients on how to remain strong through it all. Very practical ingredients. Joy, prayer, and thanks. Joy, prayer, and thanks. That keeps us balanced. That keeps our focus. That uh, gives us the endurance, man, to, to finish strong. So these, Paul is saying, these qualities should be evident in every follower of Christ. And it would be a vibrant witness to those who are outside looking at followers of Christ and say, why should I become a follower of Christ? And we should be modeling joy, prayer. Thanks. <laughs> you guys filled in the blank. That was good, man. Very good. Very good. And thanks. Now, here's the deal. Uh, in the Greek, uh, Paul wrote this and all of these are imperatives and in the present tense, which means you don't stop doing these things. It, it's continuous. In other words, Paul's saying, keep on being joyful, keep on praying, and keep on being thankful. Keep on. Keep on. Press on. Press on. Joy, prayer, and thankful. Keep up with it. Now, here's the thing. If we could have Paul come in today and have a little dialogue with him, we could say, come on, Paul, why don't you, why don't you change it to be joyful a lot? You know? Wouldn't that be better? Be joyful a lot or how about be joyful sometimes? And then we could say, yeah, I can jump on board with that. How about pray often or pray occasionally? We can identify with that too. And you know, come on, Paul, how about try to be thankful? You know, try. Give thanks when you feel like it. We, we feel so much better, don't we? <laughs> Paul would just back off a little bit, you know? Dial it back a little bit. Come on, Paul, give me a break, you know? So what do we do? Well, 
Paul says, this is God's will for you. In other words, these are commands. These are not suggestions if you feel like it. No, no, no. These should be evident as a follower of Christ. So, um, number one, always joyful. Always joyful. Always be joyful. Does that mean you always have to have a smile on your face? Um, I had my mask on earlier and let's see, who said, my wife actually said, we should put a smile face on that mask. (laughs) Then you can see my dentures. I don't have dentures, they're still my real teeth. That's right. I'm grateful. No, it doesn't mean you have to have a phony, baloney smile on your face all the time. Because then you're, hey, that's not real. I mean, you, you can see there are times just like Joshua Rogers' father who is carrying pain in his face. And it's good to address that, isn't it? Paul is not talking about being inauthentic, you know, being uh, not real. No, he's, he's saying, uh, <laughs> he probably saw this, that some believers seem to think they have a sacred duty to be gloomy, you know. That's not really great advertising for the greatness of God, <laughs> you know. In Proverbs seventeen twenty two, a cheerful heart is good medicine. I'm I dial into that man. You know, a cheerful heart. Uh, that's where I'll land. It's good medicine. You don't have to go to a Walmart pharmacy to pick that up. You got it, man. Just hanging out with the Lord, right? Yeah, man. So, so um, uh, what's he mean? Paul is counseling. Check this out. He's counseling a persecuted church to be joyful. Always be joyful. They're persecuted. And you could say, man, they could come up with a litany of reasons why they couldn't have to, you know, shouldn't be joyful and they're getting picked on and ah, everybody's against me. And uh, Paul learned the secret. Paul himself learned the secret in life of being joyful, even in the middle of being under a trial or suffering. Acts 16, 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. It is well with my soul. That wasn't written yet, but to God and the other prisoners, they were listening. Man, if you you could go where Paul was and see his body, oh, he had been whipped, broken, chained, And yet he sings to the Lord through it. He has has permission (laughs) because he lived it. He was joyful. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We know they help us develop what? Endurance. They help us finish strong. Colossians 1.24, I am glad when they said to me, let's go, no, that's another verse. I was glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. I was glad, Paul's saying. 
What in the world? Always be joyful. That literally is to be in a state of happiness, well-being, and to be glad. In other words, act of present tense, it's accompanied with the adverb, <laughs> always, <laughs> always. And we're sitting here thinking, doggone it, Paul. Why didn't you put that word there? You know, we, we don't have an excuse now, do we? No. In other words, we exercise a continual attitude of rejoicing. Um, and it's, when we talk about joy, it's not some emotional high, you know, where you just, whoo, whoo. <laughs> Emotions crash, you know. You can be on that mountain, that's cool. Um, but you, you're not driven. Your, your core values aren't driven by, by feelings. Emotions fluctuate. So Paul is referring to a sense of contentment, an inner peace in spite of what life is throwing at you. That's what he's talking about. And these Thessalonian believers had suffered, man. Back in chapter 1, verse 6 in this letter, so you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. You see that? In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. So Paul's bring, dialing it back in chapter 5 after writing in chapter 1. The mess, you, you received this message with joy. Hmm. So, Paul is saying that, that mindset, we have a choice, don't we? We have a choice when stuff happens to us. Joshua Rogers' father had a choice. He could be bitter at God, angry at God, walk away from God, but instead he dialed into God and realized through it all God walked with him through the grieving process and landed on the fact that God was good, and Paul was there as well. And so Paul said, um, we can either keep our eyes on the Lord with the right attitude, or we can allow the circumstances to destroy us from the inside. And so Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Notice, in the Lord, that's the key. You can't make this up. You can't, you can't uh, fabricate it. You can't. It's in the Lord. It's something supernatural. You know? It is. The Psalms show us that sometimes you have to fight for joy. You have to fight for it. What's that look like? I like the book of Psalms because they're so authentic. They're, they're raw. As a man, I identify with David, King David, the warrior David. And he's very transparent with his feelings and emotions in this book. And for example, Psalm 5, 1 and 2. Um, oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Is he smiling? I don't think so. Listen to my cry for help my king and my God, for I pray to no one but you. That's where he starts out. Oh, he's like, oh, man. And then he ends up in verse 11, but let all who take refuge, refuge in you rejoice. There it is. 
Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. There it is. Sometimes you've got a, you've got a battle for joy. Man, everything inside is saying, crash and burn. You say, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice because God is good. That's where I'm going. And so uh, Jesus even talked about it in John 15, 9 through 11, talking to his disciples about loving each other. And he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Okay? It's not my joy. It's God's joy. It's the joy from the Lord. Yes, your joy will overflow. So, so there you have it. And um, how can we develop a habit of being joyful. One, we can focus on what Christ has done for you, what he's doing in your life, and what he's planning on doing. I tell you, man, I get, I get, I get excited when God changes me more into his image because what's that saying? That's saying that he is personally involved in transforming me. God, the universe, he's changing me. He's spending time with me. He's investing in me. And to sing and to worship, man, that's, that's a good habit to stay into. That's what I find interesting with Joshua Rogers' dad. He just went to the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It's a good habit. Number two, keep praying. Verse 17, never stop praying. Pray that Paul uses here literally is uh, a general term. It's um, the acrostic word acts, A-C-T-S, acts, A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication. You pray for others and you pray for yourself. That's a good model uh, if you're looking for one to help um, an outline of prayer, A-C-T-S. And, and that's exactly the word that Paul is using here in the Greek. Does that mean that he wants us to pray every waking second, you know? We have to stay on our knees, close our eyes. Well, how do we go to work and how do we deal with life? It's impossible, isn't it? So what's that mean? Always, always, never, never stop praying. Well, we have to look at what that means. It, it, it literally means like a hacking cough. What's that look like? Do you have to start coughing? No, that's not. But you know people who have a hacking cough. They don't cough 24-7, but they cough a lot, don't they? They have to catch their breath, and they have to eat and sleep. And, and so Paul is saying that's, that's the picture here. It's, um, it's a bad person with a bad cough, and they do it often. And they repeat it. <laughs> That's what that means. Um, our prayer should be frequent and persistent. It's, I, I like this imagery. It's kind of like having, um, 
you, you know those, those old phones where you just take it off the hook and you have a direct line. One of the most frustrating things that you may lose your joy over is when you call a business and you get put on hold and they send you to somebody and then they send you to somebody else and then they tell you, we'll get back to you. And, you, and you're thinking, I have to go through all this again? Right? Isn't that frustrating? Or are you full of joy? No, you wish, man, give me a direct line so I don't have to be put on hold and go through this whole hoop deal to get to somebody. What this means is the line is open all the time with God. Think about that. It's in 24, it's always open. You don't have to dial. You don't have to wait. You just start talking. And he's listening. It's amazing. Never stop. Never stop. Prayer shows that you're depending on the Lord. I like Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. He's surrounded by a huge army. It looks impossible. And here is his prayer. Lord, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And I've told you this. This is, this is a prayer that I have repeated many times. Lord, I don't know what to do. You know? And you could, I don't know what to do. You may have a challenging situation with a, with a child, a son or daughter. You don't know what to do. You could say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Could be a situation at work. Could be, you know, Whatever the case may be. I don't know what to do, Lord. I need your help. And you know what? He's waiting to give help on the other end. We can spend time in God's word daily in prayer, pray his word back to him. There's a story about a little boy, Billy, was sent to his room for misbehaving. And from his room, after a while, he yelled down to his mom that he had thought it over and he had prayed and his mom came up and said, I'm so proud of you, Billy. You should pray that God will help you not to misbehave. And Billy replied, oh, I didn't ask God to help me not misbehave. I asked him to help you put up with me. Sometimes we kind of fall in this trap. We're always praying for somebody else. We never ask God to change us, you know? We should start with us. Lord, work in me first. Change me. Three, always thankful, always it's God's will. Verse 18, um, thankful always because it's God's will. And just a footnote, it's God's will for... um, Always being joyful and keep praying as well. All three of these commands, it's God's will. So, two guys bumped into each other. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. And one of them looked really discouraged and sad. And his friend asked him what's been going on in his world. And he said, well, the sad man said three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. And his friend said, man, that's a lot of money. And the sad man said, yeah, you're right. 
Two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died and left me $85,000. The friend says, man, you are blessed. Sad man broken, but you don't understand. Last week, my great aunt passed away and I inherited $250,000. His friend was astonished by all that, confused. Man, what? then why are you looking so sad? And he says, this week, Nothing. Isn't it true we set up expectations and if they're not met, we become disappointed? You know, well, God let me down. I was expecting God to do this. We get so caught up in our expectations, we open a door for disappointment just like this man. So being thankful in all circumstances means we don't have to be happy about every situation, you know, because we know bad things happen. And we, we, we don't have to thank God for the bad. But we do know that God will take us through that hard trial. And that's where we can thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you have not abandoned me. I can trust you, Lord. You know what you're doing. You're going to help me. And Paul says, in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. The message puts it this way. Thank God no matter what happens, this is the way God wants you to belong to Christ, to Christ Jesus to live no matter what happens. See? No matter what happens. It perfectly describes our broken world that we're living in. Stuff happens. There's no escaping it. And Paul is teaching us we should thank God for, for not for, but in everything, in it. I'm in it, and God's going to see me through. We thank God for his presence. We create that habit, thank you, Lord, no matter what happens. And if you're grumbling, if I'm grumbling, I'm not trusting. And if I'm not trusting, I'm not being thankful. People with this victim mentality, man, we tend to whine, complain, we feel powerless to change. We, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Second Corinthians 4, 5, and 6 in the message. Remember, our message, Paul writes, is not about ourselves. It's not about us, friends. We need to remind her, it's not about me. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ the Master. We are, all we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. See? Don't cut up, don't get caught up in the woe me, feel sorry for me, I'm a victim. No, no, no. The more you lead a self-focused life, the more prone you are to discouragement. Journalist James Glassman declared that a culture of complaint has infected America. A culture of complaint. Our garbage disposals eat better than 30% of the world. Think about that. Mm -hmm. A whiny, complaining spirit is a dangerous quality because it leads to quitting. And you can always tell someone is close to quitting a job because they constantly complain. Right? Yeah. Paul says we, when we stop being thankful and grateful, we are contributing to a decay in our society. In Romans 1, 22... 
Paul is describing a culture that's sliding into disintegration. He says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They purposed not to give him thanks. So, studies have been done. People that are grateful tend to be happier and they have healthier lives. And so, we need to ask the Lord to help us be thankful. Cultivate that in our lives because it's God's will. Recently, a woman returned from a mission trip. She had gone to the island of Tobago where she worked with a leper colony. On the last day of her trip, she's leading worship for the colony and she asked if anybody had a favorite song they'd like to sing. And she saw a woman in the back row raise her hand. The woman's face was completely disfigured. Her She didn't have any ears. She didn't have a nose. Her lips were gone. But she smiled and she raised a fingerless hand and asked, could we sing the hymn, Count Your Blessings, please? When upon life's billows you are tempted, tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And Father, this morning we pray that you would forgive us for not being joyful, for not praying, for not being thankful. It's easy to allow the world to beat us up and we cower, we give up. But Lord, we're grateful that Paul gives us these three ingredients to finish strong in life in the world that's broken, that we can always be joyful, that we can keep praying, and we can be thankful always. Lord, I pray for each one of us this morning. Your Spirit has spoken to us individually. Areas that we need your help so that we can model these qualities. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes it's hard finding thankfulness with all the struggles, divisions, the anger often hidden deep within us. Too often life begins to drain the joy, distress, destroy the deafening noise, shuts out the voice of God. We walk our road, we wander our path, setting the tone, watching our steps right and left, every breath spent, longing for the next 
big thing. But what if we could give thanks in the little things, the small victories, the tiniest dreams that seem to feed our soul? of God to never leave or move on to care and to love becomes undeniable. Finding gratitude in the everyday. This, this is where thankfulness begins. I want to give thanks to God the Father that he sent us Jesus. God the Father wanted a family. And he sent Jesus to die for all of us. For all of us if we choose him as our Savior. And I am so thankful to come Sunday mornings. And, well, Wednesday nights too. But um, just to see all of you guys. I am so thankful. It's like we're all seeking God. We all want to become mature in Christ. We all want to know there's more in life. We've all had stuff in our life. There isn't one person in here today that's not going to go through crap. But we're going to know our God and we're going to know how to ask him for help, like Pastor said. And I'm thankful for that. just want to say that 30 seconds isn't enough, but, um, you know, um, of course I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this church that's open right now and for our pastors who are brave. And I'm thankful that in 2012 at my lowest point when I cried out to God as an atheist that a year later he delivered someone to me to preach the gospel that I might be saved. That God spoke to me things in my life that he, that, that woman could have never known. And that um, he didn't just leave me there. He transformed me. He delivered me from alcoholism, from sexual sin. He transformed my life. And I'm thankful um, that I get to be here with all of you. And I'm thankful, like Sheila said, that um, that's not just for me, but it's for everyone. That he wants to reach us all. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I want to, <laughs> I want to second and third all that, and then also what Bob said. And I come from the farming world, and you know we're always out in the elements, we're always battling something. And there's been nights in the winter where it's 14 below, and I'm out there still working. My pant legs are frozen with water and snow, and it's a good feeling when you can come in and have a warm shower and a warm meal, and just running water. There's, there's been times where I've been in life without all those, and life gets 
gets pretty tough. You know, it's tough real quick. And then also these last couple of years, God's blessed me with a, a good job and, and a good church and good friends and everything and opened up so many doors I didn't think would ever open. And uh, just hoping they won't close anytime soon. <laughs> Good morning, guys. I found out I was doing this about uh, half an hour ago, so I'm going to have to read my script here. Um, Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I'm thankful for an impossibly beautiful and supportive wife, for, uh, for two amazing children. Thankful that despite my most... Uh, my innermost insecurities, he uprooted our lives and moved us halfway across the country for the greatest opportunity that I could ever um, be so undeserving of. Um, I'm thankful for a new church family. Um, I'm thankful that, uh, thankful that despite the chaos and the brokenness, brokenness of the world today, uh, that we believe in a God that has written a victorious end to everything. I'm thankful for a heavenly father, a leader, and a protector. And I am thankful for a God who pursues me endlessly and who I have certain confidence in meeting one day. And I'm thankful that despite having been to some of the worst places on earth and, uh, and truly not deserving to be here and probably shouldn't be here many, many, many times over that I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Um, and, uh, and I love you all and, and thanks for having me.